Hi and welcome to episode 39 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger and my guest today is Renee French. She was born in the US but now lives in Australia. Renee's an artist acclaimed for her hundreds if not thousands of drawings in the form of art books, graphic novels, underground comics and children's books, which she's created over the last 25 years. But it was a taxi ride to the Art Gallery of New South Wales to see the Archibald Prize that led her to change her course towards painting, and that's what she's been doing full-time for the last year. She creates creatures from another world, a mummified bunny, a bird with an elongated beak and bulging eyes, a raccoon smoking a cigarette. You'll often see the hashtags pop surrealism and lowbrow art under her work on Instagram, art movements which have been influenced by surrealism and popular culture. Renee has over 100,000 followers on Instagram, many who tune into her live video feeds where she paints and answers questions about her process and technique, often with a TV series like Neighbours or Blue Healers playing in the background. In this episode, we talk about how she learnt to paint, how she got those Instagram followers, the relevance of galleries in the era of the World Wide Web, and lots more. We spent hours talking and laughing that afternoon, Uh, so I've decided to edit this episode down and uh, it starts at the point where she decided to learn how to paint and I asked why she chose to go to Sydney's Julian Ashton Art School to do that. Well, it was a year ago that I started really painting, but I did go to Julian Ashton in 2012 because I wanted to learn how to paint and Julian Ashton just for people who might not know is in Sydney and it's a very sort of traditional um, painting school right and drawing it's a classical 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 training and why did you go I went because we because we'd go to the rocks and I'd pass that place and I'd think, oh, look at that, like the doorway. <laughs> yeah, it's the really doorway, romantic, yeah. right? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, and so one day I went up and looked in and it just gave me that feeling like, oh, look, it's art school. I like, had yeah. really warm, toasty feelings when I looked in there. And then I looked it up and, you know, Brett Whiteley, who I love Brett Whiteley, and he, he went there. Just for a short time, I think, but still, he was in that place, right? Mm. So it was the romance of that. I and I signed up to take a drawing and a painting class, and I was working at the time. You know, I was doing, I was working on a book. I think probably baby, uh, one of the baby Bjorn Bjorn Strand, I think, yeah. And at the time, and I really wanted to paint, though. I and I was scared of. I didn't understand it. I didn't get like what to what the paint, <laughs> the rules were. Yeah, I thought I was missing this like, what are the rules? Like, what are you, what can you do with paint? What, how, how do you actually, how do you mix them? And what do you use as a medium? Like, what does a medium yeah. mean? What, yeah. what do you, how, how do you start? What yeah. is the thing that goes on the canvas first? Do you use canvas? I didn't understand any of that stuff. Yeah. So that's what I wanted. I just wanted to go and learn. <laughs> Tell me what to do, how to mix the paint, how to do everything. I want to know yeah. so that I could take that and go and then paint myself. Yeah. And I painted a head. Um, uh, like from a, a skull? Oh, no, one of those plaster casts. One of the plaster casts. Yeah, yeah. I painted a head, and it was really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, in <laughs> oils? In oils. Yeah. Yes, you have to use oils when you're actually <laughs> There's no such I thing know. as acrylic. I don't think anybody's ever dared take acrylic. In no, it. and even the, those um, water soluble or water. Oh yeah, the water based oils. Oils are oh, they yeah. allowed? No, no, no. Oh no. But I know there were a couple of people using those. But no, I went oil man. I wasn't gonna <laughs> be a rebel. No, you can't. You got to do as you're told. <laughs> so. Yeah, I did that. It was really exciting, but it was only monochrome. But I was yep. very proud of it. I hung it up in in my studio, yeah, yeah. you know, it was like this thing, and then I was continued drawing, but never really connected with it. I was a little disappointed, because I didn't, you know, 
I think, anyway, I, then I did a class with Ben Smith at his studio, mm-hmm. who oh, is yeah. adorable and lovely man. The well-known Australian artist. So yeah. good. Um, and that was great, too. But, and I painted a bunny. Uh, I remember Ben showing me how to do fur. I'm laughing. I'm smiling. Do <laughs> fur, and he. I think he's so frustrated with me because I was. I didn't want. I wanted to paint every individual hair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is what I do now. Yeah. But he was. He, <laughs> he was saying no. That's not how you do it. You do it. You take the brush and you go like that, and to make the fur. You know, this is. This is how we do it when we're painters. Like, this is how we do it. And I was <laughs> frustrated because I didn't... It, it was that thing, right? That sort of like... And I understand. He was the teacher, and he was showing me how you do fur. That's right. And he was right. The classical techniques. Fur. Yeah, yes. that's right. But it was really frustrating. I found it incredibly frustrating. It was really fun, but it was, it was also frustrating for me because I wanted to do it my own way. Yeah. And... Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, though, with painting that you've got to get to your own way somehow, but you can start somewhere else. Right. I knew I wanted to paint, but I didn't, I wasn't happy with the way I was doing it with, mm. through these, you know, in other ways. I've t- Nick Stathopoulos said, come to my house and we'll sit with paint and we'll figure out how you paint. Oh, wow. And I never took him up on it because our timing wasn't good. And, mm-hmm. But that's, that was the key there. What he said was the key for me. Like, it really sort of stuck in my head. Oh, right, the way I paint. Oh, I have to figure out how I paint. So I just thought, just forget it. I'm going to go out and get acrylic because I can paint at home and I don't have to worry about the fumes and I don't have to, I can paint anywhere. I bought some acrylics, like really minimal palette, and sat down and forced myself to figure it out the way I would do it. You know, I just kind of sat there. And this was only like, so this was like a year and a little bit ago. Yeah, yeah, right. I just sat down, watered them all down, almost to like watercolor or like a, like a gouache kind of thing. Yeah. And worked on tiny little boards and just started doing what I would be drawing, right? And then um, just figured out how I would do it. And it, it was, I was painting every single hair and I was painting every single little tiny minuscule detail with that watered down acrylic. And I also don't use mediums or anything. I just use water. Yeah, right. So. And so did you find that, that the step to acrylic was also like a bit of a revelation for your process? Yeah, w- yeah, it was huge. It was because I, I kept thinking acrylic is really frustrating because everyone talked about how frustrating it was because it dried really fast. Yeah. But the thing about oil that was really frustrating for me, and I couldn't understand why, how anyone could deal with it because it was stressful. That was the other thing. I was like, isn't this supposed to be relaxing? Because I'm really stressed out. What were you stressed out about? It's giving me a headache. What what part of it was stressful? Oh, God. I I remember just tearing my hair out. You put a color down in oil, and it's wet, right? Yeah. And then I know all the Prima painters are like, duh. Like, what the? (laughs) Why do you think that? What's wrong with that? So you put a color down or something. Let's say you put a black down. Yeah. And then you take the brush and you want to put maybe white next to it. You take the brush and you paint the white next to it. And what happens is the paintbrush with the white on it picks up some of the black. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) What kind of madness is that? You could do it the next day and it wouldn't do that. But then you have to wait all that time for it to dry. So here you have a brush that's loaded to use Bob Ross talk, with white and black on it. Yeah. And so as a drawer, I would go, okay, now I want to make another mark. And before not wiping that brush off, I would just go back down, and here I have this mess. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and it just seemed like, okay, so 
is oil painting then you make a mark and then you wipe the brush off and then you make a mark and you wipe the brush off you make it's this endless kind of worrying about what's on the brush at any time it's funny because the the way it happens is it it you know I, I think I actually work sort of classically in a way with my acrylic stuff in that I do uh, a very basic sepia or um, raw sienna or something sketch mm-hmm. and lay in the tones, most of the darks, you know, and then I do a black and white. I'm not really strict about it. It's not like I do a black and white painting that's immaculate and then do glazes over top. I don't do that. But yeah, it's to get to lay out where, the, which is which is something I did learn from Ben, laying out where the tones are, mm. and then working over top of that. Uh, yeah. Except I'm doing it in acrylic, and it's much looser in a way. Yeah. Than I was with oil, which is weird, I guess, it's sort of backwards. But I don't use a lot of color either. The color is very, very, very subtle. In yeah. my paintings. Yeah, it's 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 quite a limited palette, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Do you find that you go back to the same colours or do you use different limited palettes? No, my my palette is pretty much Payne's grey, um, titanium buff, like a it's like a white with a little bit of ochre or something in it, I'm mm. not sure. So like an off white and a Payne's grey. And Payne's grey when you put white in it turns to blue. Yeah. So that's the cool side. And then, you know, maybe a brown uh and and then I do have like a cad red and a cad yellow and a and a cerulean blue and that's it. You've been coming to and from Australia for years. Yeah, about I'd... 12 years I think. And but now we're here. Yeah, like right. truly here. Now that's why you're on this show because you're because I'm actually here. I'm actually because <laughs> yeah, I'm considering you Australian now. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no, oh, thanks. <laughs> but um, I watch Neighbours. Yeah, you do, I and do. we're going to get onto that actually. But I'm going to ask you one question first, <laughs> because when you go to another country, you go to another city. You really do get, and you start going to our galleries. It's t- it's a different feel yeah, from no, your it's hometown, totally isn't it? Yeah, it's even different. in a different city in Australia, you feel slightly different. Yeah. So, what was your? Feel? I'm not going to sort of put you on the spot, but Australia, what did you feel when you it, came here? Sydney is really responsible for me painting. Really, honestly, the, I mean, I wouldn't if I was still if I was in the U.S. just in the U.S. I would not be painting now. I just I know I wouldn't be. It's. Um, I'm going to say something that sounds really um, <laughs> positive about the Archibald Prize. <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, oh, boo. But, um, <laughs> I love the Archibald. Oh, good. <laughs> There's a lot of mixed feelings about the Archibald. Yeah, no, I must say that. Exactly, yeah. and I totally get that. And yeah. I, I also have mixed feelings about it. But um, <laughs> uh, to, so... When we first started coming here, I think when we were here in 98, we went to the Archibald, we saw the Archibald. And I remember being in the taxi and saying, and he was saying, oh, I'm going to the, uh, we were going to the Art Gallery of New South Wales Mm. to see the show. And he said something about the Archibald, that he knew that the Archibald Prize was showing there. And I think both my partner and I were like, what the... And our brains blew up because the taxi driver knew about a painting prize. And it was like, (laughs) not to be snobbish, because of course, maybe he was a painter in his his spare time, or maybe he he was an art lover or whatever, but... No, it's true. I know better now that that's not the case, that it really is that everybody really knows about it. Yeah. Um... But it was it was a little bit of a. There's just nothing like that in the U.S. There is not a an art prize that that people know about in the U.S. Yeah. We know that there's the BP Portrait Prize in England, but not your usual Joe. They don't know about that. No, because they don't really give a crap about art in general, unless you're an art lover. Yeah, yeah. but not your not the you know not regular people. To you know, they just don't know about that stuff. So, yeah, and that it would make headline news yeah, on that night. That's right, sort of a thing. Yeah. yeah, and I 
no, I, I get it. It's, mo- it's really about, you know, fame and we get to see paintings of people we know in, on TV and in politics and everything. And I, I get that. But there was something really amazing about painting being uh, sort of respected in a way. If you say you're a painter here, I think people actually th- hear it and say, oh, that's really interesting. Mm. But if you're in the U.S., unless if you're in New York and you say you're a painter, well, still, I think it's pretty much, if you say you're a painter and you're in the U.S., they'll go like, they'll think, oh, you're a Sunday painter, or you suck, oh, okay. right? right? Or prove it. Prove to me that you're better than my auntie and, you know, paints in the garage on Sundays. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a different, it feels different here to me. That, um, it just, I don't know. I, so painting seemed to be a thing here mm. in a way that uh, it wasn't mm. in the U.S. Mm. It's like a worthwhile pursuit in a way. Yeah. yeah. It's like an actual possibility. It mm. seems like there, it's an actual thing you could do is paint. And also, from what I've heard... We've probably got the most art prizes in the world. Yeah, I you know, know. to any, to any other country, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, it's great. It's just crazy. I think it's a. It's exciting. I and yeah. also, um, there, the mystique of walking in. I mean, I think I may be a, a bit pathetic here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get. So I did a portrait of Martin Sachs in 2016 and um knowing that i i knew i would not for the archibald obviously. Yeah, yeah 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 but i wanted so was it an acrylic or no thing was this is before i was painting and all of my friends uh were saying well are you going to paint it and i was saying well you know there have been a lot of Archibald finalists that were done with graphite. You know, they just, they did acrylic and then they did graphite yeah. on the canvas. Yeah. So stop giving me crap about it. Because <laughs> I, now I look back on it and I look at it and I think, oh God, it really is a drawing. It's just a drawing. Um, but at the time I was rationalizing and saying, well, there's acrylic on it. Because I did an under, sort of underlayer with color, yeah. very faint color, yeah. with acrylic. Yeah. And then I drew on top of that with my Prismacolor pencils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was all the, that uh, David mm-hmm. Goldberg, that was, yeah, was, that right. was the Which was my one. rationalization. Yeah, yeah. I understand. And I was looking at that stuff and rationalizing and saying, hey, look, this one, but I know that was really controversial, yeah. that one. Yeah. But also, uh, there was a woman uh, who did she would do these big blocks of color for the clothes and then the faces were done in graphite. Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah, I can't She was on the cover of the program for Archibald one year. Yeah. And so I used that as another rationalization. Yeah, right. Massive rationalization. (laughs) Yeah, but look, that person did that, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. So my portrait of Martin Sachs was... And the whole thing was such an amazing experience. I went to to Byron Bay and hung out with him at his place, and it was really fun. And I love blue healers, so it was all like, <laughs> oh, my God, he's so cute. And <laughs> and it was really, it was he was lovely, yeah. and it was really great. So that was great. And then I went off, and I did it. I did the portrait, and he and his wife liked it, and I thought, well, that's it. That's all that really matters. Yeah. But, of course, it didn't get in. But I, when I walked it over to, I just walked over to from the apartment to the gallery and I went in the back and thought this is like this is the dream man yeah walking into the loading dock by myself (laughs) carrying my thing that was really small carrying it in and handing it in it was like the dream right it is the dream even entering is a dream I reckon that's what I think I know I think you know that's an achievement it is an achievement it's an and, and it's not like what everybody everybody wants to get in, but I mean, if you it's look, it's an achievement. Yeah, it's an achievement to actually enter it. 
Right, isn't it? <laughs> to have the privilege of paying them again. the money. <laughs> no, I do. I think that's right because, um, because in a way, you have produced something that you think is worthy of entering. That's right, yeah. Except I think, yeah. I like the people who say, well, I had a painting, I did a portrait, and I'm going to put it in. You know, like I have it. Yeah. I've done this portrait. Yeah. I'm just going to put it into the Archibald and not really think about it much. I'm just going to put it in. Yeah. Yeah. Because those people, if they get in, it's this huge surprise. It's that's right. A nice surprise. If you have everything riding on it, it's so stressful. You have yeah. to, you know. Yeah. It's really yeah. Stressful. I think that I think that is the secret: is to be producing a lot. Well, well which is what you do. You produce a lot of work. I'm pretty much constant, yeah. So you actually let's get on to that because um, do you have much? Do you have a routine that you um, have every day? Like, I mean, I presume you paint every day. I do paint every day. I think it's. I have a routine. It's uh, I get up in the morning and um, go out, take a walk, and then come back and dig into it but I don't get I think I don't really start to work hard until around three right, uh, right. because even though I've sat down around 12 30 one o'clock there are a couple hours where I'm just I'm not ready yet because I'm still not really awake I get up late and I so what would you be doing in that period uh I'd probably looking at Instagram, you know. Yeah. Just goofing off. Yeah. Watching neighbors from the day before. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. And then uh and then once I get going, it's I'm looking at my clock because I'm th- my watch because I'm thinking I wear a watch. I'm looking at my arm. I'm thinking <laughs> um oh, he's going to be back from work any minute now even though it's a few hours away yeah. but I'm on the clock over like thinking oh god I have to get in a couple hours so I work until he gets home and then we do dinner and then I come back in until probably nine or ten something like that oh so you you work at night as well yeah and if I had my way I would work you know until one o'clock two o'clock in the morning but I try to keep my schedule so I can, you know, hang out. Yeah. Well, the, and also, you know what, I wonder whether, because I feel like that too sometimes, and I think, oh, it'd be great to just work and work and work. But I think if you actually did it, yeah, you'd hate it. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that <laughs> might be true. A few yeah. weeks. Because the balance isn't there. Yeah. And if you haven't got that balance, you're going to go crazy. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. it's sort of good that you're forced to stop. I think that's true, too. In a way. Because, you but, know, if he's on a business trip or something, I end up, like... <laughs> yeah, you just work non-stop. You know, just, like, with my, my hair is just, like, <laughs> I don't look at myself in the mirror, so I'm just... I look a mess, and I'm... I don't remember when to eat or when to sleep. I'm just sort of in a funk and eating crap. And it's just <laughs> that's what happens. I go back into, you know, 20-year-old person living in a little apartment kind of person. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so he does he keeps me like human. Mm. I'm mostly mm. just human cuz I'm hanging out with him all the time. Yeah. Now you're talking about neighbors. We're in your <laughs> we're in your studio. And I know yeah. that sort of having something going on in the background is yeah. something that you have yes. happening Always. when you're working. Yeah, that's So what, true. what sort of things do you have going? Are you going to ask me that question? Really? <laughs> well, you've already admitted to neighbours. How bad can it get after this? No, yeah, not, not much worse than that. <laughs> country practice. A country practice... I watch sometimes. Where I love a country is practice. On, is that on iTunes YouTube. or something? It's oh, YouTube, YouTube and it, it's crappy looking because someone, I think, maybe put a tripod in front of their TV and recorded <laughs> it like that, like some kind of crazy. Do you watch it over and over, the same episode, or would you? I was just watching Blue Healers, um, the season when Maggie gets killed, mm-hmm. like 
twice through from the beginning to the end of that season. It's such a good season. So you binge watch. I do, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to start doing that. I don't actually, I don't end up watching anything I want to watch because I can't think of it. When I <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's a common, I think that happens to everybody where the, yeah. I, I sort of write it down somewhere when someone tells me something yeah. and then I forget where I wrote it down. You write it down in a tissue and blow your nose and throw it away. <laughs> yeah. Where um, was that thing? You're reminding me to watch Blue Healers. So again. when you got it going, <laughs> are you... You're sort of half listening, half oh, painting. Oh, I see the question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't watch anything first time around when I'm painting, right? Like I don't, I have, so my setup is I have a, a desk that, a desk that has a, that's supposed to be for computer, this like, this Yeah, the tray, pull out tray, pull out, pull out tray, tray thing, yeah. That's where I put my um, palette. And then I have a on the desk. There's a there's a piece of wood that comes up. Uh, so it's it's like what you would. It, it's, it's like a like desk easel. easel. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like a table desk. easel. Table easel. And then I have this fancy schmancy thing I put here, which is a a paintbrush taped onto the easel, and that is so I can put my iPad there. Oh, it's like a little ledge. It's a ledge. But it's it's a, it's a paintbrush. <laughs> Yes. It's a paintbrush. <laughs> paintbrush ledge. It's for my iPad. I love that. So my iPad is where it is. My iPad sits here oh, so, so I can iPad. watch uh, in, in, in lieu of a t- t- television. So your iPad is directly above your painting surface, yes. what you're what painting on. I yes. love that. Yes. So I don't know why I don't have it here. Yeah. So it sits like this. Oh, right. It's like that. And I'm just watching Rockford Files or... Quincy or yeah uh, or a country practice or whatever up yeah, here yeah yeah right well you know this is a good all time Saints. to talk about all Saints as well. so all Australian I love Australian. the Australian shows because they're um, well like I like to hear well I, I legit love Blue Healers though the show I mm. think it's it's one of those shows that I started watching in '98 and yeah. I I got hooked on it. And then, and then it does not on anymore. But yeah. and you can only find you have to find certain seasons on uh, YouTube. But um, yeah, I like the Australian sort of. Uh, there's something soap warm. Opera. About, it's sort of there's something warm about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. Well, actually, this leads me on to Instagram. Okay. You are a big Instagram presence. You you have got. Hundred over a hundred thousand followers. Oh gosh! And uh, and lots of fans from the comments. You can tell that people just love your work, and you look after your fans as well because you 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 know you you post quite frequently, and you've got a really warm sort of um, you know attitude towards your work and to everybody who's following you. Uh, but one of the things I'm really interested in is the way you do live video, which is fantastic because I, I have seen a few of your live videos. And what you will do, for people who don't know about Instagram, first of all, get onto Instagram. <laughs> and second of all, live video is where you you know press a button and you are filming yourself live and the people who follow you, will a lot of them will get a message saying, you know, Renee French is started a live video and they can press the button and watch. And so you will have, you will basically be painting and that's what you'll be doing in your live video and you will have in the background, you know, neighbours or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Sometimes people get really annoyed if it's something like, what is this crap in the background? And, uh, and so I turn it down a little bit. Pride and Prejudice is one of those ones that I have on a lot when oh, I, do yeah. the, I, I do those live ones because it's, there's not going to be anything really offensive because I get in trouble that way. If I watch something and I think, oh, this is fine, and then there's some, you know, rape scene or something, I mean, really bad stuff that happens, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. So, yeah, uh, right, yes, they can hear it, and I turn it down mostly to pretty quiet at some point. Yeah. But I speak very quietly when I do those. Oh, sorry, but I interrupted with what... what no, no, no. Go. What no, was well, the question? I, well, I was going to say is well. First of all, do you do do you often do it late at night? Is that when you do it? I try to do it when in the U.S. it's around eleven p.m. or so when people are going to bed, 
and they're sitting in bed and they have their, I know that sounds really <laughs> like I've really thought about it, but <laughs> well, no, um, well, there's no point doing it unless you think most of your yeah. followers are going to be there right. to watch. See, cause I have several times done live videos when it's, it's mostly, uh, people from non-English speaking countries and they're on this side of the world, right? Oh, okay. And it's problematic because I end up with a lot of... Like South America or something. Yeah, and a lot of sort of rude boys (laughs) (laughs) come on and say, you know, F this, F that, F this, and Uh, and I have to block them from the uh, stream. Right. Um, And it's not nice for the other people who are watching to see that stuff. No. Um, Yeah, which, by the way, for people who don't know about it, people... Who are following? Who are watching? Can write messages, and it comes up. Yeah, on the, there's like on a little the chat. There's a little chat. Right. You, they write messages, and you can reply to them verbally. Yes. But they can't reply to you verbally. No, I can't hear yeah, them. They're yeah, not yeah. like a bunch of voices. Yeah. So Which they, is actually, don't you find that takes getting used to doing that? Because I've done a live video a couple of times. I find I, I end up having a migraine at the end of it. Yeah, I know. It's I know. It's very <laughs> stressful at first because I'm not you're trying to, well, especially if you're in public, because you're walking around with this phone and trying to read the messages, then trying to reply. So you're talking to yourself out loud and then you're trying, and, and you don't quite know what that person, if they heard you. Yeah. And there's no res- response because yeah, there's yeah. no to back and forth. It's this quite This thing difficult. about doing it in public, though, that's, that's a, that's really like. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. I was going to say. <laughs> I've done it in, I did it in the It's MCA. a recipe for disaster. <laughs> I did it in the Archibald. Oh. People I, staring at me. Because you're talking to your phone then and everybody's <laughs> looking at you and walking around. I've, I've never done one in, pub, in public. A lot of people do, though, do it in public. Yeah. It's not but a no, I've, I've stopped because I, I found it too stressful. The thing that you, uh, that my problem is that while I'm painting, I'm not looking at the screen that much, so I miss sort of a lot of questions that roll by, oh, and then I feel okay. bad because someone might have asked a really good question, and I, it went by, and I didn't see it, and they don't really get that I wasn't looking at it. But I, I'm painting, right? So you'd yeah. think that they oh, understand. They would know. Yeah, they would know. Yeah. That's, I think that's fair enough. People would know that you're busy doing yeah. that. Yeah. And so with the – that's a very relaxing thing to watch for an artist, to yeah, watch someone else painting. I started it's doing really it because uh, th- there's a – Gregory Jacobson – a painter from in the US he was doing it and I was watching his live videos and I thought this is fantastic mm. right mm. it's just him painting hanging out and then answering questions yeah it's really relaxing yeah yeah so that's well that's, a, well, that's the other thing that you do is that you you know people ask you questions about your process and you're really open about it which is fantastic you know I um, don't know I, I don't know why a person wouldn't be though you know, I don't know why somebody would be secretive about it. Oh no, I'm not going to tell you what I'm <laughs> what I'm painting with. Well, I think some artists feel as though you know they learnt this and they're not letting you know how they did it because, or well, you might steal it or something. You yeah, know? yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. But it's it's always great to to hear from artists about how they do things. I mean, that's how you learn. You My know? favorite thing is when art students, you know, young art students come on the live session and they ask questions that are legitimately good questions about method and and about, you know, uh, I mean, they ask a lot of really good questions that are technical questions that is a, that are very easy to answer. Yeah. And it, it solves a lot of things for these. And a lot, I know a lot of these kids have never seen a painting being done from the beginning mm. when it looks crappy. Because mm. that's another thing that um, if I'm doing a, a, a one of those live sessions and it's it's the underpainting yeah. and it looks like crap. Yeah. I think you did it the other day with Ness, Nessie. Yeah, you know, I did. That, that painting of the and Loch Ness. And it was Ness. just like a mess and it was scratchy and it was mm. – I and people were asking about – or saying things like, oh, that's the under, oh, why do you do that? Or what is it, why is it this way? Or why is it scratchy? Yeah. And why is it this? And uh, they've never seen it 
No, that's right. Ever. Yeah, and that's great for a student to see that and think, oh, okay, at the beginning it doesn't look it so doesn't great. It doesn't look good. Exactly. Because you see them when they're finished. Yeah. I mean, most people, I think, post when it's looking really good. Yeah, Because, yeah. of course, they don't want someone to see it when it's looking bad. You know, they, they want it to look polished and good, and then they're doing, mm. like, the final finishing touch. Yeah, that's and right. And they, they show that. And I do that, too, but... Um, it's nice for the students. It's nice for the beginning painters to see that if their painting looks like crap right now, it could actually turn out okay. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. You can fix it. You yeah, know? yeah. And I think Instagram's really good for that sort of thing. Like more and more artists are sharing that sort of information. Yeah, there's that... The, the, artist that you interviewed that does those giant... Oh, Suzanne Archer. Oh, those yeah, are great. She's I love great. that. Oh, yeah, she's she's doing some great stuff at the moment too. She's doing really great. These huge insects are just incredible. I love the... Um, she said, and I, I noticed this too before, at, that she, she'll she do something and maybe there's this amazing green colour and then someone is saying, oh, I love that colour, but <laughs> she's painting over it. Yeah, it's not right. going to be there anymore. That's it's right. like, oh, I'm so sorry. You love that. It's it's, I know. It just gets transformed. <laughs> it looks amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you have any, because you've got so much experience with drawing and painting, uh, publishing, um, and dealing with art dealers, that sort of thing. Would you have any advice for somebody who's starting out, you know, they don't know where to start or what to do. do you, would you have any advice or what, you know, maybe how they should try and get into the art world? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would say Instagram Instagram is a big yeah. It's almost it's it's funny cuz it's this thing where you can be in your own studio wherever you are in the world and have your work and people see it. And I have to say I work Instagram really hard. I mean, I in the beginning when I first got on, I played it like a video game. Like I I what just do you mean? well, <laughs> I decided. Well, you had a blog before that. That's right. I so you were already doing that sort of thing. I was thing. doing. I posted every single day of the year on my blog for three years or something, without exception. If I was traveling, I still did it. Yeah. I posted. I didn't have a huge following on there. Um, it wasn't really about that. It was about the fact that I'm going to. Do this. I'm going to put something up every day. That's my rule. It's another rule, right? Um, and it forced me to get looser with my work and also and sort of and experiment more, so that I put things that are, were drawn on paper towels and you know and on the road and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yes, and I had a huge cache of images from the blog. That was from years of doing the blog. Yeah. So someone, uh, my friend Jamie Foxx, not Jamie Foxx, the movie star, she said, <laughs> you should get on Instagram because it's mostly just pictures. And I was not liking Facebook and I was not liking, you know, Twitter. So yeah, I gave it a try. But I figured I'm going to treat this like it's a game, like it's a video game. I love video games. <laughs> Why don't I just do this like it's a video game? I went online. And I searched for the rules of Instagram. Uh, what are what is the etiquette yeah. on Instagram? Yeah. Do's and don'ts. And I wrote them down. And I started an Instagram account. And I posted one or two pictures a day. This is part of the etiquette of Instagram. I did not ever ask anyone to follow me back. I went and I searched for artists on Instagram. And I would comment on their pieces. I would only say things that were true. I would uh, only like things that I actually liked. Mm-hmm. And, and is this like across the world? Like, yes. In, yeah. So, and I went to a couple people's Instagram accounts that I liked their work, and that and they had a lot of followers. And I looked to see who they followed. Yeah. And who followed them. And out of their followers and who they followed, I followed a bunch. So right away, I, like, followed a bunch of accounts. Yep. And I had, like, five followers, but I followed maybe 500 people, like, yep. right off the bat. 
And then every day at a certain time, I would sit down and I would go and look to see what people posted. And if I liked something, I liked it and I commented. And what would happen was, as I was accumulating things that I had posted over, because I was only doing one or two a day, and mm-hmm. I was taking things off my blog and putting them on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So once I had like 25 pictures on my Instagram, people who I was commenting on would say, who's that person who just commented and look at my profile and follow me? Yeah. So yeah. I started to gain momentum, yep. but I worked it like that. For a year, you know, like I was That's really a lot of work, regimented. Isn't it? Yeah, so you, you would have put a lot of time into it. Totally did. I yeah. mean, I really, really put a lot of time into it. Yeah. Um, and didn't get any kind of, I didn't like depend emotionally on it at all. I decided mm. it was like a game, so I, I didn't have anything resting on You know, I didn't have like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. I didn't. I wasn't bothered if somebody didn't follow me back or I didn't, I didn't really care what the numbers were. It was more like it was fun to do it. Yeah. That's a really, that's interesting tips for Instagram because it's such a powerful tool well, for it really artists. Is. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think Facebook has the sort of feeling that you get from Instagram where you can just scroll and just see so many artworks in one spot. Yeah. Whereas Facebook, you seem to be bombarded by all sorts of stuff like ads and everything on Facebook. I got off of there because it was just, I couldn't get away from the politics. I was just, I can't stand one more political thing. So I just, on Instagram, I only follow, I pretty much only follow artists. Mm. And most of the artists on Instagram post art. They're not posting that stuff. And some of the art is political, but it's different. It's not memes about politics and stuff no that's true. so right. I'm just off of Facebook completely and I haven't lost any um sales or collectors most of them are on Instagram anyway mm. there are a couple people who collect my work that are only on Facebook and that's unfortunate um I I haven't solved that problem yeah, yet right. you know actually that was another thing I wanted to ask you do you so you sell work through Instagram yeah this is yeah so, I've got, I, yeah, I've been trying to figure out, so I have that show in Melbourne coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I am wrestling with the old classic question of, do I need a, it's not a classic question, I don't know why I said that, that uh, do I need a gallery? Because the reality right now for me, for the last shows I've had, the last two solo shows, um, all of the work was sold before the show happened. And it was all sold through Instagram. Right. So you'll get a private, a direct message. Right. So I have it so while I'm working on a painting, um, well, I have a waiting list of people to buy paintings. And I maintain the waiting list uh, each person has sort of a, you know, this person likes scarier things. This person is obsessed with chihuahuas or whatever, <laughs> right? And I have that kind of thing on my waiting list so that if there's a chihuahua that comes up and the person who's at the top of the list is into scary things, I will ask the person at the top if it's okay if I go to the second person who's obsessed with chihuahuas. If I happen to be working on a chihuahua painting. Yeah, yeah. I don't work on the thing that the next person in line is interested in. I work on what I want to work on. And then mm. I see who's, right? Who and it I, fits with. Yeah, and talk to the different people about if it's okay if I go to the next person or whatever. So let's actually talk a bit more about your current work because... Okay. Um, you know, you moved. If we compare it to what you were doing before, which is more of a narrative, like now you're doing one-off paintings, and so that narrative has sort of fallen away in a way. Do you find that's difficult? I mean, or do you find that sort of a bit liberating? It's so liberating. I mean, it's yeah. I I went into this thinking, oh, I'm going to talk about sort of transitioning from telling stories in in books to doing these one-off paintings and and I I don't want to sound too anti uh narrative or anything <laughs> um or 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 publishing or or anything but 
all of those years of doing, of working with publishers and telling stories, um, I would try occasionally, I would do a show occasionally, like an exhibition, to, for fun. And I did one in Tokyo. I, I have a little book that's sort of like a poetry book. I don't know if you saw that one, The Lost... Um, Edison Steelhead's Lost Portfolio. It's a it's oh, no, it's a little book with portraits of little girls with things wrong with them and bunnies with things wrong with them, and it has little a little sort of diary on the other side. And I did it in Elizabeth Bay, and I was I have a little map of Elizabeth Bay and where I was sitting when I was doing drawings mm-hmm. and things, and so that book had a bunch of little drawings, and I went to Tokyo and we did an exhibition there. And it sold out. Oh, wow. Like, really quickly. So the originals from that book. Right. The little drawings. They were Prismacolor pencil drawings. They were like two and a half inches on the side. Mm. And I had students coming up, Japanese students coming up with their portfolios to show me. And I was signing Mm. of those little books. And it was really fun. Yeah. After that, I also had a show, an exhibition solo in New York of the H-Day drawings. And that was, that was, I'm not sure what, when that was, but that was quite a few years later. Yeah, right. And that was also really, that didn't go as well. And they didn't, it was like two sold or three sold out of the entire, like a hundred drawings in there. Mm. But at the same time, I just, my work is weird enough that, it's a hard sell, you know? Yeah. And in Tokyo, they like stuff that's cute and weird. They, that's exactly it's the a, right yeah. niche, right? They're just like, oh, this is right. This just, so they, f- they just bought them really quickly because that's their aesthetic. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And then in New York, it's much more old school, traditional, at least then it was, and still now, I think it's very traditional. Mm. So... It didn't fit, right? Why would you want a drawing of those strange buildings with things falling off of them? And it was mm. just didn't fit. So mm. Mm. Um, it was depressing. You know, it was really sort of depressing. And I kissed it goodbye for a while, that whole idea of doing a show or exhibition. And I did a lot of group shows. But mm. mostly my work didn't sell. Yeah. The, you know, the individual pieces didn't sell. Yeah. So, um, every year in L.A., there's a thing called the Post-It Show, which is uh, at the, a giant robot. And it's all of these art, hundreds and hundreds of artists do drawings on little sticky notes. And they're the top price is $25 for these original pieces. And yeah. these are all like the top artists that do this. And then other artists too, like lots of artists. And then they put them out on as a grid on the wall and it's cash carry. So you could be a 12 year old who saves up your allowance and you could walk in and buy original art made by Matt Groening, the Simpsons guy mm, or wow. Gary Baseman or somebody. And you would have this original art. So there are these people who can't afford to buy more expensive stuff who have original post-its done by the top artists in Los Angeles. Yeah, wow. And I love that idea. What a great idea. idea. It's a great idea. I love it too. Yeah, we should do it here. Yeah, I know. That would go down so well. It's just, it's a question, it's something that L.A. really started to get, this idea that you could do shows where things were actually, like, affordable for regular people. (laughs) And they could have real art by real people artists but they don't have to you know sell their house to buy it yeah um and that I really started getting more into the exhibition thing again just based on those Los Angeles shows that were like that there's Mm. another one called the coaster show that still happens to every year which is beer mats beer coasters yeah same thing and the I think the ceiling on it is two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. So you can spend ages making this thing, and it's two hundred and fifty bucks. 
Yeah, I've seen some on Instagram that you've done. They're I amazing. They're fantastic. It's really fun. And that, so would you like gesso it first? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So just gesso it and sand it, gesso it, sand it, and then paint on top of that. Yeah. Um, but I was in that a few years ago and they sold really fast, my pieces, and there were like four. I did four. And that was at La Luz de Jesus, which is like the pop surrealism place in L.A. Mm. Uh, and he, the gallerist there uh, asked me to do a solo show. And I remember thinking, oh, God, I'm getting myself into this again. Like, I'm going to do this show and it's not going to sell. And I'm going to feel humiliated and sad. And, you know, why am I doing this? Yeah. What What is the point? Yeah. But I said yes, of course, because, yes, he's offering me a solo mm. show. I'm going to do it. Mm. And it's in Hollywood. And so mm. there are a lot of people there who love art and who buy art. Um, and was this the first time you'd be on the West Coast? I had done or- one at Meltdown, which is um, also is on Sunset in L.A. too. And, and it was, it didn't, nothing sold. I think I sold one piece or something at that show. But that was in the back of a comic book store. So it's this comic book world versus the fine art world yeah. versus, you know, the pop surreal world is all it's different each one um, actually you've got a show coming up in november in melbourne that's right with bine art is it bine art gallery it's b-e-i-n yeah. art gallery they do show pop surrealists that's what they show yeah and i have a solo that's opposite um hattori he's a japanese artist who does also really pop surreal stuff yeah uh so there, I know it exists there. Yeah. But I don't know about here in Sydney. I'm not sure. Um, I, I think it's the sort of thing that would go down really well in Sydney. Do you think yeah, so? Yeah, I do. There's a lot, there's a lot of uh, very traditional art here. Yeah, but, you know, it's such an open sort of place. Yeah, that's Don't you true. reckon? Yeah. I think, well, Australians generally, I feel, are pretty yeah, open they to are. new things. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Well, Renee, thank you so much for this interview. I have had such a good time. It was really fun. It has been, and it, I love your studio. Um, and it's been a real privilege to see your working space. And good luck with your show in oh, November. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Renee French. Go to the website to see examples of her work and links to things and people we talked about on the show. As always, you can follow the show on social media. Just look up Talking With Painters on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And there are plenty of short videos on YouTube um, of many of the guests. So all you need to do is um, enter Talking With Painters playlist in your search engine and that should come up. Thanks for listening and hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. If I feel like it might add to the thingo. Right. So, um, Did you say thingo? Yeah. I like that. That's good. <laughs> it's an Aussie interview, mate.